Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Ravenslayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding which is accompanied with positive emotions. We can view sex with a new understanding which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Lady Boy Gigi, a sex expert, a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. You're listening to Adult Bedtime Stories, and tonight's topic is being mindfully single and taking yourself on a self-date. <laughs> and I have Droxine with me, and she's been working with me on a lot of different projects, so I'd like to let you introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Droxine. I'm a dominatrix, amongst other things, as well as a sexual educator. Ah, yes. <laughs> and w- you went through a bunch of topics and decided on mindfully single and taking oneself on a self-day. Uh, what inspired you to come up with this topic? I think there's sometimes too much emphasis on being coupled in our society and I think being single is sort of looked down upon or it's lamented and it's people are pitied for being single or people are looked at as less than for being single that you know their singleness is indicative of something that's 
wrong with them or something that's at fault with them. And I think, you know, that's a societal attitude that needs to change. Yeah, I mean, I know that oftentimes in our culture, it seems so geared for couples. (laughs) And, you know, I remember when I used to go to movies by myself or do activities by myself and it was kind of looked at you know people would get these weird impressions that oh he doesn't have anybody with him (laughs) you know and yes and i found that it's very hard to socialize with friends who are couples if you're single that they want to go out with other couples they want to you know they want to hang out with other couples it's very difficult you know to you know, if you're just the one single friend, you know, you're sort of the third wheel to them. Yeah. <laughs> I know that for me, for a long time, I was intentionally single and mindfully single. And I loved the single lifestyle. But fortunately, I found communities where being single wasn't a big deal. Like art communities and some of the pagan groups that I belong to and even in the GLBT community it was much more accepted than in mainstream society yes I find it you know it's it's certainly helpful if you're single to surround yourself with you know like-minded single people or you know be in a, a larger community that doesn't look down upon your singleness but I think you know the issue still exists that you know society sees singleness as sort of a a problem to be solved when I think you know singleness is you know can be a valid state state of existence in its own right you know single you know you can be single and not need to be coupled or paired off and you know it's okay to be single and I know for me, one of the things I really enjoyed was getting in touch with the bi-plus community because gender is more fluid, relationships are much more fluid, things are just much more open. And so sometimes I'd go out with a (laughs) triad couple, triad couple, uh, triad (laughs) relationship. where there's three people involved with each other, and I became the fourth. It didn't feel like I was invading into coupledom. (laughs) And it was much more fluid and open. And so there are communities, and then there's also the asexual community. Asexuals are people that aren't really into sex at all, and they don't want to be into sex. They don't have the sexual needs or desires. They desire still have desires and needs for intimacy and for companionship, but they don't want the sexuality with it. And so that can be a very powerful um, community to be a part of because there's no expectations in the bi-plus community to be partnered up. But unfortunately, it's hard to get in touch with the bi community, especially here in Houston. (laughs) Now, in other part cities, like 
the Bay Area around San Francisco and New York City, they've got very flourishing and strong bi presence. So I think when there isn't a community that you can get in touch with to sort of support your singleness, you know, there are still strategies that you can engage in to enjoy your singleness by yourself or sort of revel in your single state. Yeah. And what are some of those strategies? I would think just, you know, I think you could start by making a list of all the benefits of being alone. You know, just, you know, I have the bed to myself. No (laughs) one is taking the covers from me. (laughs) You know, I can, I don't have to compromise with anybody. You know, when you're with somebody else, it's like, well, what do you want to eat for dinner at night? What what do you want? I picked last night. It's like, you can pick every night. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you, uh, you can, you don't have to compromise on what you're watching on TV. It's like, you can always watch what you want on TV. You can... You know, and I think it's an opportunity to get to know yourself more. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not, when you're in a relationship, you know, you're focused a lot on the other person, the other person's needs, what's the other person like. You know, you're discovering this other person, but when you're by yourself, you can really sort of, you have this time and this energy to go on this voyage of self discovery and to, you know explore stuff about yourself or you know try you can try a new activity you can try take classes or explore new music or you can do things by yourself like watch a movie or even travel by yourself and when you're by yourself it opens you up to new adventures i mean i have traveled by myself and it has really been interesting because you know i've i've met you know people there while i was traveling and they've just been like you want to go off and do something and i've been like yes i would yes i do and had i been with a group or partnered up with somebody i never would have had that adventure in another country you know yeah (laughs) and i think there's also this sense that when you're alone you're lonely and oftentimes i'm rarely lonely whether I'm with a partner or because with my present relationship my partner and I have our separate time and we have our together time and even when I was single I was rarely lonely I enjoy my own company and enjoy doing things on my own and so there's this kind of myth that if you're single you're lonely (laughs) Do you have any thoughts on to address the loneliness factor? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely true that, you know, people, I think it's a misconception that singleness equals loneliness. I think it depends largely on the personality of someone. And I think especially, you know, if you're a more introverted person or just a person who enjoys their own company, Yeah, you know, why would... Why would you be lonely? You know, you or if you're someone who has a lot of activities to fill their time, or in these, especially if these activities are social. You know, you're getting your human contact, you're getting your social stimulation. You're not, you don't have a lack for, you know, interaction with people. And you know, for me, and I've told this to many people that are are single and 
want to be coupled. I said, the first person you have to have a relationship with is yourself. And you have to be able to love yourself before you can love another. And I think being single gives you that time period, especially if you decide to be single for a period of time and explore. We're in such a hurry to get partnered up and live the life that's, you know, with the house and the picket fence and two plus (laughs) 2.5 kids and the married life and with a good job and you know I met so many people that have all this but they're still kind of unhappy it's like there's something missing and I think being mindfully single it gives you an opportunity to grow and explore and really get to know yourself and love yourself at a deeper level because you don't have that jump into partnership immediately. And I know a lot of people get married early and form relationships very early in life and don't have the time to really explore being who I am as a forming adult. (laughs) Yeah, and I think, you know, it's... It's also a matter of, you know, it's, I think it's ethical too. If, if you're not in a good place in your life or if you're going through a bad time in your life, that's not a time when you need to be in a relationship. That's a time when you need to be by yourself working on, you know, whatever your issue is at that time. Yeah. And you need to marshal all your resources to be taking care of yourself and And working Even if you are pretty well balanced. When I was in my, late teens, early 20s, that wasn't a time for me to be coupled up with somebody. It was a time for me to explore and develop and really start learning what it is to be who I am. What are my passions? What is uh, life all about for me? Where do I want to go? What do I want to be? And have that time to explore and to even explore myself sexually. I did take time to enjoy sex just with myself and not just masturbation, but self-love. Really taking the time out to love myself fully. (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, learning self-love in every sense of the word is something more people should do. What have been s- some of your experiences with self-love? That requires some thought. <laughs> I would say, you know, for me, self-love is kind of, in a sense, being true to true to yourself or sort of putting yourself first and not living other people's priorities or doing what other people want you to but sort of doing what you know doing what pleases you and doing what you know satisfies your soul yeah like i don't mean doing what pleases you in just a sort of totally selfish sense but i mean doing what doing what gives you satisfaction like you know if mom and dad want you to be a doctor but you want to be a follow a totally different career you know 
you follow that different career and you don't care about pissing off mom and dad. And I think for me, being single gave me an opportunity to really learn about my sexual body and to explore my sexual body. Because we aren't given a good sexual education. We're kind of assumed we'll know what to do when the time comes. But our bodies are all wired a little differently sexually. And so having time to explore my body and be with myself and learn what gets me turned on and what to turn off, it really helped me become a better lover when I finally did get into relationships. And I think one of the problems for me, being bisexual, it was always a couple of problems with our kind of status quo in our culture. Boy meets girl, falls madly in love, gets happily married, and, you know, that just didn't work for me. I'd meet somebody that would knock my socks off and go, wow, they are so cute. And then I'd get into a relationship with them, and then a few weeks later, I'd meet someone else and go, ooh, they're pretty hot, too. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think part of being single, it gave me a chance to explore many different people before jumping into a relationship with the first person I fell in love with. <laughs> and that was very problematic for me. It just seemed like, well, what if I'd met the second person first? and they were better for me than the first person. Or maybe both had different things to offer, and there wasn't a better or worse, there's just differences. And especially since I'm attracted to both males and females, it became real problematic because, you know, I'd have gay boyfriends that said, oh, I don't want you dating women, and I'd have straight women that said oh I don't want you having sex with other men and we live in this kind of binary system where you know it's so exclusive and everything's supposed to be one way and we're not all built the same some of us are built a little different (laughs) yeah and I think you know when you mentioned the binary I think that goes back to the issue of you know the of singleness is that you know singleness doesn't fit the binary like if it's just one you know you don't you don't fit into the set exactly. you don't fit into the the, the pair mm-hmm. <laughs> well you also mentioned taking oneself on a safe self date can you talk a little bit about that well i think it's you know it's just treating yourself as nicely as you would someone that you know you were you were attracted to or that you liked and you know having a nice evening out but you know by yourself yeah and one of the things i noticed is that oftentimes we will bend over backwards and go all out for another person but when do we ever do that for ourselves and often we see that as oh you're just being selfish you're being self-centered and or to love yourself, that's narcissistic. Uh, you know, you're not supposed to love yourself. And what I found was the opposite was true. 
when you love yourself and you pamper yourself, it's not being greedy or uh, self-centered. It's taking care of your own needs and really awakening and knowing yourself at a deeper level and learning about yourself. It's like amazing the things you can discover. And not just sexually, but some of the passions I have now were because I took time to explore and discover who and what I am before I jumped in to a long-term relationship. And I think uh, another point is that if you are getting your needs fulfilled, you know, on your own, you're not going to be looking for someone else to fulfill them. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're not going to jump for the first person you can have who may not be the best person for you just because you can have them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and one of the things I experienced through this process was, and I've been in several long-term relationships. I was married at one point for 10 years with a woman. And then I've got a boyfriend I've been seeing for many, many years. <laughs> and now I'm with my current primary partner, and we've been together for over 25 years. And having time to be single helped me become more in tune with who and what I am. I notice when you get into a long-term relationship, Oftentimes, and I see a lot of couples do this, they don't really have their own separate time. They just couple up as if, you know, all their time has to be together. And that can be unhealthy, I think. Being that connected and not having your own time and space really kind of throws things off and out of balance. Have you ever experienced that in a relationship? Being two together? Yeah. I experienced it with, I was engaged before, and my fiancé, he wanted to be too, too connected. To the point that, you know, he called me at work and would want to talk about, oh, that, you know, the Dallas Mavericks had just won a game in the playoffs and, you know, I was at work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, you know, he, there was just, you know, it, and it, it was like, this can't wait till I get home. I wanted to have my space and he got very upset too. I remember we were at a vacation home and I was in school at the time mm -hmm. and I'd just taken a bunch of exams the prior week and I was really tired and I was taking advantage of the chance to sleep and he was just very upset that I wasn't socializing with his friends, you know. And that come brings up another issue with some couples. It's like they've all got to have the same friends. They can't have friends yes, outside and I, the relationship. Yes, and I was like, these are your friends. They're not, they're not my friends. I don't have anything in common with these people. Another issue we had was, you know, I was at, we were at a rental house once, and... 
you know, I, I was in school at the time and I'd just done a week of exams and I was really tired. So I was taking advantage of the time to sleep. And he was upset with me because I was sleeping instead of socializing with his friends. And I was, I said, you know, they're your friends. I don't know them. They're, they're not my friends. I don't have anything in common with them. They don't share any of my interests, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I've met couples that, you know, they only had friends together. They couldn't have friends on their own. It had to be as a couple. And it's like, you know, I've even in all my long-term relationships, I've always had friendships. And my partners have had outside friendships. Just because your partners doesn't mean you give up that part of your life. Yeah, I mean, what happens to the friendships you had before you met each other? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And to me, I value friendship. Friendship can, platonic friendship can be a very amazing place to be, to have that support network and to have someone you can confide in and talk to and even about your partner. <laughs> and say, you know, I got so pissed off at my partner last night and you can talk things out and work it out, work out the negative stuff with a good friend. And it's not to badmouth your partner, it's to say, hey, I need to work out these emotions. Yeah, it's a it's a healthy way of venting instead of holding them in and bottling them up and that can be very damaging within a relationship. If your partner is doing stuff and you're feeling frustrated and angry and upset with them and just bottling it up, and it's good. I mean, you know, sometimes I could talk to a friend and then go back to my partner and say, hey, here's what's going on with me, and we could communicate and talk. And that can be very helpful. You know, I agree, you know, and, and the other thing friendships do is you can't you can't rely solely on your partner for support. That's putting too much on your partner. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you have to have you have to spread out spread it out. Oh yes. And it's good for your partner to have friends outside of your circle. And it just keeps things alive and amazing. And I think the other thing is that just because you're in a committed relationship doesn't mean that you share all the same exact interests it's like my wife she loves knitting now me if I tried to knit I'd come up with this tangled mess <laughs> I have almost no eye-hand coordination or in my fine motor skills or shot you know they just don't work I'm good with gross motor skills but fine motor skills forget it but she has a deep interest and loves knitting. And she has her circle of knitting friends. And they do their knitting thing. Now me, I like camping out. My partner doesn't like camping. I mean, the weather has to be perfect, can't be too hot, too cold, and for sure no rain. And who can predict the weather? So she hates camping. <laughs> and so I go camping and have a good time and do some of the things I do and then and I find that time separate from her brings 
a richness back to our relationship when we come back together and I have new stories to tell her <laughs> about my adventures and she has her stories she tells me about her adventures and so that can really fire up a relationship and I know our topic isn't on relationships but being single mindfully is being able to pursue and develop some of these interests before you get into a relationship. And for some people, they want to be single their entire life. And that's okay, too. I mean, that can be a very legitimate lifestyle choice. Oh, yes. You know, some people, they have so many interests or they have so many things they want to do or they need so much space that they're like, I don't want to be in a relationship. It's... It, you know, it, it encumbers me too much. It, it, or it infringes on my, on my, on my space too much. Yeah, and and you know, I've even known of married couples that bought houses right next to each other so they could each have their own house because they needed their independence, and then they'd spend the time they wanted together, but they'd have their own house to live in. And that can be very beneficial, especially if one of the partners is into noisy activities. Uh, they can go to their house and make all the noise they want. <laughs> yeah, and I think you're still you're still this interesting separate person from your partner. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it's important to have that freedom and that space. And I'm not saying that doing many things together because me and my partner do a lot together we enjoy our time together and it becomes even more precious because we do have time apart yeah and you know you kind of and you learn how what what to do in that time apart because you had that time being single and learning what to do with yourself when you were alone yeah and also, spiritually, I think it's important to really understand yourself at a deeper level. And in our culture, we're not given that opportunity in a structured way to be alone and be with ourselves. And one of the things I discovered early on was that I can be my own best friend, and I can do things for myself that are nurturing and loving and caring. And it's not that I depended solely on myself. I had friends. I had relationships, even sexual relationships that were non-committed. And fortunately, within both the gay bar scene and also in some of the singles clubs there's a lot of people that aren't interested in having a relationship so to speak but to meet up and have a good night of sex once in a while is great <laughs> and so even with sexual options being single doesn't necessarily l limit you to being become a monk so to speak <laughs> You can be sexually active 
you just need to play safe and be real careful. Oh, yeah. Being single doesn't mean being alone. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about the self-date. Have you ever taken yourself on a self-date? And what was that like for you? I mean, it's been a while, but, you know, I liked... I liked giving myself a bubble bath with candles. I liked going to the movies by myself. And I've never been afraid to eat in a restaurant by myself. You know, I do a lot of things by myself. uh, But I can't say that I've ever, you know, been like, I'm going to take myself out on a date. You know, I've I've been like, I'm going to do something fun tonight or I'm going to do something nice tonight. But I've never thought of it in terms of a date. Yeah. Well, actually, that's one of the things I highly recommend for people to do is to actually plan out a romantic date for yourself and pull out all the bells and whistles like you would as as if you were taking someone else on a date. Because oftentimes we will do that extra for someone else, but when do we do it for ourselves? And, you know, I remember when I took myself on my first self-date, at first it felt a little awkward. It felt like, am I really supposed to be doing this? But I planned out the whole thing in advance. I went to a concert, or not a concert, a, a play down at Miller Outdoor Theater. And... Before I even went out on the date, I prepared my bedroom and even the living room. I set up a little space. It was kind of chilly weather. It was in the fall. And I set the fireplace with firewood. I took a bubble bath and got a cold bottle of champagne in the fridge. And then I went out and had a dinner took myself to a fancy restaurant, splurged a little bit, because I thought, well, if I was taking someone else on this date, I'd be doing the same thing for them. And so I went and had a really good meal and went to the outdoor theater and watched the play out on the hill. Then went home and got into a sexy outfit and stood in front of a mirror for a few minutes and just admired how beautiful and sexy I looked. And then I lit the fire in the fireplace and slowly removed my clothes and just enjoyed my sensual touch all over my body next to a nice warm fire. And it was incredible. And I think that's part of being mindfully single is also being mindful of pampering yourself and taking good care and taking yourself on a date. And we often think of self-love as being narcissistic or being something wrong and bad. But self-love is a process of discovery process of learning to be a better person with yourself 
And I think from my experience with my self-dates, and I've done more than one, it gave me an opportunity to really explore pampering myself. And we never do enough of that in our culture. We're supposed to be these strong, rugged, independent, macho things. And I can never measure up to that. <laughs> Any thoughts? <laughs> well, that sounds like a very nice day. <laughs> and I think it's, you know, it's true. I think, you know, we're not supposed to, even with women, you know, you're not supposed to give yourself nice things you're supposed to have nice things given to you yeah you know by <laughs> other people i think i think back to like a lot of the images of you know in media of women who you know of you know villainous women or negative women it's like you know you know gold digging women you know that you know why are they bad because they want money because they want things you know um or women that want a lot of comfort and pampering and luxury they're seen as you know high maintenance women difficult women you know women that aren't to be desired as much as a woman who you know it is simple and doesn't doesn't want those kind of things mm -hmm. and i think that you bring up another point about going on a mindful single adventure is that it does give you an opportunity to really get more in touch with and separate out your wants from your needs and to really identify not only what you can give to yourself but I think by going on the self-date especially it helped me open up and be able to communicate better to my partner what I enjoyed and to hear what my partner wanted later on to and open him or her up to what they enjoy sexually. And not just sexually, but sensually and with intimacy and nurturing and care. Uh, there's been times when and this was kind of an interesting relationship I had at one point. I met this boy, and we were very close, but I had no sexual desires for him, nor he for me. But we both had very deep needs for intimacy with each other. And we'd sleep in bed together naked and just hold each other and cuddle. And nurturing is such an need that we have that need for human touch and when it's sexual touch that can be great but i've got something really special out of that non-sexual intimacy and closeness being able to feel his body next to me not as a sexual turn on but as a companionship and just that warmth and feeling of someone's here to hold me and take care of me or I'm here to hold him and take care of him. And, and it's just such a beautiful relationship. And I remember a lot of my friends at the time thought we were sexual together. 
And they thought, oh, you're, y'all are just going in the bedroom and having sex. And I said, no, no, we've never had sex. Sex has never been a part of it. But what was a part of it was that deep intimacy that sometimes in sexual relationships, we can't get to that level with someone because that is such a special level to be so intimate that we could hold each other naked. And that was and without the sex getting in the way. Not that having sex with someone is bad, but it's actually pretty good. But so is non-sexual intimacy. It can be a whole different cup of tea, so to speak, <laughs> with lots to learn from it. But any other thoughts? No, that just sounds like a beautiful relationship. Oh, it was. It was and we were together for, oh, almost a year, just being in that. I think the closest thing that kind of comes to mind is the Native American blood brothers. You know, he kind of felt like a blood brother to me. It was that kind of, or maybe an older brother that I never had, because I was the oldest. <laughs> that person that kind of could give me some guidance. And, and and it was a two-way street. I mean, there's some areas that I was pretty knowledgeable about that I could share with him. And so we were just very deeply intimate and close. And that was very empowering for both of us. <laughs> Have you ever had a relationship like that? I had one once. Ah. What was it like for you? It was, uh, it's hard to describe now looking back. It was, you know, it, it was interesting because, you know, we knew, we met because we went on a date and we knew we weren't compatible. But he wanted to keep seeing me. And we, you know, we became very close and we ended up living together and you know we slept together and like literally slept side by side in bed mm -hmm. and we uh you know we we told each other we loved each other and he would tell people that he loved me and yeah. people assumed we were a couple and you know we weren't a couple it was just i would describe it as probably a very very intense friendship yeah you know, that eventually had its end, but, you know, it was, you know, it serves its purpose at the time, and it was interesting. What kind of things did you get from the relationship? What you needs know, did he meet for you that... He was supportive, and, you know, we, we did a lot together, you know, we, we did almost everything together and I was, I'd been very depressed at the time and he, uh, he was, 
he helped sort of alleviate that. And he was, he taught me a lot. He taught me how to, he taught me how to lift weights. He taught me how to eat better. Yeah. But I was the older of the two. I was older than him. And, you know, I basically taught him how to be more of an adult. Uh And, (laughs) you know, have his things together and pay his bills on time. And, (laughs) you know, you know, manage his life better. So it was, it was an interesting dynamic. Yeah. And I know that. For me, some of the things I got was a companion that really kind of opened up a whole new level of sensuality and intimacy that I so needed at the time without the sexual component. And the sexual component, like I say, is uh, pretty awesome usually. But for me and him, I just wasn't attracted to him sexually. I was attracted to him more in the sense of intimacy and and closeness, physical closeness. And it kind of gave me, filled the need for, I think, what we've lost in our culture, the sense of tribe. Oftentimes, we think of ourselves in our culture as so individualized and so separate from everything else and in more ancient times and even in many cultures around the world there's more of a sense of a tribe that we're not just you know in in our culture we're family units and sometimes extended family units but we don't really have the sense of being part of a tribe and I think that was part of what he fulfilled for me was it felt like I was all of a sudden a part of the tribe with him any thoughts (laughs) no I just agree that you know I think the feeling of tribes has been lost and I think you know some of the I think some of the counterculture movement tried to bring that back but I don't think I don't think it's something that really exists anymore in our culture oh there's pockets of it I mean in a sense burning man the burning man phenomenon is a tribe that gets together once a year and they party and bring everything together for a big event depending if it's a regional burn or the big burn it's a tribe of artists that get together and perform and share and they every burning event i've gone to and here locally we have freezer burn we've got the mischievia we've got uh flip side burning man and every one of those that i well i haven't been to mischievia but i've been to many of the burns here even houston now has a local burn and when you first get inside you meet the greeters and they welcome you home (laughs) and it is very tribal in a sense and they have theme camps to go around and explore and people are doing art and 
being creative, some of it's performance art, some of it's actual paintings and some sculpting and it's just amazing. And so it becomes a tribe of many different performers. Some music, some have theme camps centered around playing instruments and there's even in, uh, theme camps that get into yoga and into some of the sexual arts and get into the sense of mindful masturbation or get into the tantric techniques and deep breathing as a part of lovemaking and learning some of the tantric breath work that can fire up that passion within. And in those camps, you can go as a single or as a couple. It doesn't matter because you're part of the tribe. <laughs> and it's amazing, even in the pagan community, it's kind of like that. When we go to the festivals, it's like coming home and to our tribe and sitting around the rebels fire listening to the drumming and dancing and going to the workshops during the day and it's an amazing event and full of love energy and closeness and connection and I think that's part of you know when I first got involved in some of the pagan events and some of the bisexual conferences I went to. All these were different tribes I was going back home to. And I felt a part of it, a member of it. I was accepted and not only accepted, but celebrated for who and what I am as I celebrated each person who was there too for who they were. And it was just an amazing experience to be able to get into the alternative tribes around the fringes of our culture. <laughs> I know you're into the BDSM space, and that's a type of tribe, too, that we have our own kind of uh, protocols and uh, connections and ways of being. I've gone to many a play party and just felt that kind of special energy and seen it between people putting on scenes and the connection between the dom and the sub can be a very powerful connection. I think one of the things that really impressed me early on was how close and connected the dom and the sub really are. They communicate at a deeper level because they have to. Well, we've been talking a little bit about tribes, and I'd like to clarify a little bit about what I mean by tribes. In ancient times, we lived a very tribal life as cultures. And in our modern world, tribes have taken on a whole different kind of characteristic. And I bring up tribes because being mindfully single, we still need to feel a part of our lives with connection. And to me, tribe can be many different things. It can be things like college is a type of tribe. P 
people join together with a collective intent and purpose. And that's really what makes a tribe. It gives a cohesion to the whole group. But as a person that wants to be mindfully single, find a tribe to join. Find interests to pursue, develop passions, and explore and develop and grow as an individual that's fully balanced in themselves. And with that, I'd like to end this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. May you be blessed in your journeys. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.